Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode three of the Successful Fashion Designer podcast, and today I'm chatting with Brian McIntyre, who graduated from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago in 2012 and received CFDA recognition for his senior thesis collection. He now works at Comar designing menswear for Climate Smart, where he got promoted within the first year, and it all happened because he asked for it. Brian shares his exact strategies for getting what he wants out of his career and how his curious mind has helped him advance. Before we jump to the interview, I want to remind you of the free templates, tutorials, and resources I've created to help designers like you get ahead in fashion. You can find all of them on the Successful Fashion Designer Network at sfdnetwork.com slash free. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash three. Now on to the interview with Brian. I'd love to just start out with um, a quick introduction of you and learn about what got you interested in fashion in the first place. Okay. Um, uh, well, I'm originally from uh, the suburbs of Chicago and um, honestly, I started um, sort of my career, or I guess my my like um, what is it? My journey, I guess, my journey to find out what I wanted to do. Um, kind of like mid high school, I realized I was really into art, and and so I was kind of focused on that, and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with that. And honestly, um, Project Runway actually tur- turned me on to fashion because. I was excited, you know, it's a great show. It's a reality show. Um, and, and it was fun and I liked, I liked what I saw and I didn't really understand necessarily what, how they were making the clothes, but I thought it was pretty cool to, to create something that you had drawn. I guess that was the idea I liked. And so I took, um, a sewing class at, uh, Harper Community College and it was, it was a three week class and it was intro to industrial sewing and I, <laughs> I, can I swear or no? <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can swear. I, I, I'm just wondering in general, but yeah, I basically had my ass handed to me um, from that class. They, I, did, I didn't know anything and everyone in it had at least some base knowledge. It felt like to me. And, and I was just like blindsided by, I don't know what a bobbin is, let alone a bobbin case. Like, I don't know what these things mean even. And it was it was a mess, but by the end of the, you know, probably first two or three days, I was starting to get a hang of it. And, and I think just the, the fact that there was this whole world of information out there that I didn't know, um, kind of excited me. I was frustrated by the fact that I didn't know it. And I, it was, it was like a whole language that, yeah, that I just had no exposure to. Um, I didn't know that you put right sides together and, you know, sew with the wrong side facing you. I, I, I couldn't even comprehend that. And, and so it was like, and, and those are basic principles, but for some reason I just couldn't wrap my brain around them. And that's kind of 
ultimately what turned me onto it so much was my my frustration with my lack of understanding it I guess so as you jumped into this course you're the realization that you knew so little was actually wound up being the drive to push you forward yeah definitely because I I find I I found that in the past I either understood something or I didn't and you know I wouldn't have to study for classes really in school. Like either I got it and then I got it or I didn't. And, and this was sort of like, I, I couldn't, I don't know. It was different. It was like, I didn't get it, but I couldn't even figure out why I didn't get it. And, and that bothered me. So I was like, no, I have to learn this. I have to figure this out to, to know that I don't like it or to know if I like it. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of, I guess I just had to completely master it before I could determine whether or not I wanted to do it. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, you said that you didn't like really get interested in the whole, and maybe, maybe I'm assuming here, but from what you said initially, get interested in the whole creative space until high school. And then once you realized that you love that and you saw Project Runway and you're really intrigued, you jumped into a class, but nothing ever like younger in your childhood really spawned that interest or you even thought about fashion as being something you could potentially pursue in life? No, not at all. When I was younger, I wanted to be like a cartoonist or I wanted to take over the guy who does Garfield. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to draw like little caricatures and yeah, it wasn't, you know, you, I felt like going into school and, or just in the industry itself, Everybody's like, oh, I was like, you know, reading Vogue's when I was two, and what I and I wasn't. <laughs> I, you know, I was reading comic books and playing video games. Like I had no, not no interest in it. It just wasn't. It wasn't an obsession, and that was that was difficult for a long while to get over. Yeah, that's really interesting. You make that comment of like, oh, you feel like everybody says I've been reading Vogue since I was two. I love that line. <laughs> um, and yeah, you do hear that like, oh, I was like making clothes for my dolls when I was a kid or right. I was always drawing in my sketchbook these different designs mm -hmm. or my mom taught me how to sew. So you already right. felt like a little bit of a hurdle just because it was a new thing that you had even thought about. Right. And then people knowing like, oh, did you see What's His Face's collection? And I'm like, oh my God, no, I didn't, I didn't look. And of course, I think there is a, a level of responsibility to look at what other people are doing. But when I was first starting, it was overwhelming because it was like, I don't even know who Margiela is, let alone did I see his collection. Like, it was, it was a lot. And, and I think that part scared me the most because cause the sewing is like a technical thing and you can, you know, do it and do it and do it until you get better at it. But I was, I guess I was always worried that like, am I not as interested in this as I should be when in reality there's many different facets of the industry that you can be interested in. You know, you don't have to look at the runway shows. If you're not interested in that, you can find another, you know, sort of venue in the industry, I think. That's actually really fascinating that you say that because sometimes I find myself um, feeling obliged to keep up with certain mm -hmm. things that I'm yeah. like, am I doing this just because I should be doing it or am I doing it because I'm actually interested? And some of, some of it feels forced. Right. Yeah. I, I find that I even still do that. And lately I've just like, okay, I will only go look at the shows that like, I, I'm actually curious to see who, what they did. And because yeah, otherwise, I don't know. We don't have that much time <laughs> to be looking at stuff we don't care about. Yeah. 
Well, it comes back to this whole thing that like I is a continual recurrence in my life is you can't know how to do everything. You can't keep up with everything. So you kind of have to pick pick your things and then run with those. Right. Yeah, that's I think that's a lesson I'm also still learning. Um, <laughs> just sort of, sort of realizing like what what I what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Yeah. And and what to do about the things I'm not good at. Yeah. Is it something I should work on or is it something I should just have someone else do? Yeah. Um, okay. So, so this is interesting. It actually kind of leads right into, um, something else I wanted to talk about. You mentioned a couple times in the, in what you just said about being scared. Like you were like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't know what the terminology Mm -hmm. meant. And, um, I, you know, from what I know from your track record in your career, that (laughs) theme comes up a lot. And so, um, so let's talk about, um, you got a degree in fashion, and are you okay if I say where if I say where you got your degree? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you got your degree in fashion from the School of Art Institute of Chicago, and mm-hmm. um, you focused on the creative side of fashion and kind of skipped out on the technology courses. So tell me a right. little bit about that. Well, so at the school, it's a, it's an art school, and then it's a fashion um, fashion program within the art school, and they're very very keen to word it that way um, because first you learn. Well, we learn how to sew while we learn design and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's so integrated that that convention is like thrown out the window. It's encouraged to do things unconventionally um, or to explore why are you doing this conventionally? Are there other ways to do it? And it's it's great. It was a great way to, especially for someone who doesn't know how to sew, because I, I wasn't coming in with a pre pre um set of you know knowledge or ideas of this is how a garment is made but that was a struggle for a lot of people um was because they they had to challenge you know their preconceived notions of how to sew whereas me i was like huh or sure i'll try it this way or that way and and so it was a lot of fun to explore that way but just the way that the school was set up we only got so many electives and for whatever reason, the hand-drawn illustration course was separated from the one on Illustrator. And I, I, I guess just uh, like kind of old world thought that it was more important to take the hand-drawn one, which it, it was a great course and I took several of them. But for whatever reason, there wasn't this emphasis on the, the computer-based ones, which having left and you know being in the industry now, I... I find that very concerning and I hope it's not that way still, but, but yeah, at the time it just, it just wasn't so encouraged or we just weren't really like, I don't know, thinking about it. Like some kids took the courses and, oh, their, you know, their sketches looked a little different or they were, you know, done on the computer, but it was never, I don't know. It was just never focused on really. Yeah. Okay. And so, I, I, I'm going to go into, I'm going to quote something next that you wrote in the email because this was really powerful when I read it. Um, and I don't want this whole topic to be about Illustrator, but this was like a really yeah. big turning point in your career. <laughs> so, so we ha- have to touch on it. Um, okay, so you say, and I quote from the email you wrote me, um, when I moved to NYC in 2013, the realization that Adobe proficiency was mandatory to be even considered for a job, I began to panic. I paused my desire to to design and worked in production, old school pattern making, studio management, fit modeling, pretty much every other job in the industry besides designing. Who would employ a designer with no CS skills, meaning Creative Suite, Adobe Illustrator, Creative, Creative Suite? I gave up after a year of this. And then randomly, you got a job opportunity that you really wanted. 
So Mm -hmm. I want you to tell us exactly what happened in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) so I had been contacted by um, actually the HR woman at the company, and she said, I found your profile on um, some website, and, you know, you seem like you might be a good fit because it was a menswear, and there's not, you know, so many menswear designers. So she reached out to me. I went in for an interview, and... And it, it, it seemingly was going well. I was like, okay, this, you know, this feels good. And then, of course, the question came up, and they're like, oh, so are you... And they, they had sort of glazed over it fast enough that I knew I could do this, but they were like, oh, so are you okay with an illustrator and stuff? And, you know, of course, panic. I'm like, oh, uh. And I was just like, I'm so sick of... At the time, I worked at um, Starbucks, so I was like, I'm so sick of that. And I just... I just want out and whatever. I was desperate. So I just lied. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally proficient in all of like the Adobe. I didn't even know what I was saying. Um, <laughs> and, um, and of course they, they believed it because, because it's so rare to not know it that I think they were just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when in reality I was like, Oh my God, I just lied about that. What if this happens? And then it did. And I, I fortunately got the job, but um, yeah, when I got the job, I was like, okay, I need to, now I need to learn this whole program because <laughs> I said, I do know it. And so you've, you said to me in, um, and I forget a prior conversation or an email, you said, um, like my first year within that job was like, fake it till I make it. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was, and it kind of was that, um, you pointing it out earlier made me think of it. I guess I've always sort of done that in fashion because it was just sort of like, oh, sure, I saw that person's show and then like run and go look at their show. Um, And so that was the same thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, illustrator. And then it was like buckle down, spend weekends, nights, as as much time as possible um, using illustrator and and watching your lovely videos, uh, which is how I uh, even came to know you was from that was from this desperate need of, I need to learn this. I don't, you know, I can't afford a service or anything or take a class. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a lot of, a lot of you and me hanging out, (laughs) you not knowing that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that comment. Um, but so this goes back to the whole, like, fear thing and like getting outside your comfort zone for you to sit in an interview and say yes I have that skill whether it be illustrator whether it be something else I mean inside your own head I assume you were thinking I can figure this out like I'm not going to lie about something I can't figure out but if I can kind of fudge this and figure it out but that's really that's really scary getting outside your comfort zone so talk a little bit about like your mindset behind that and that's like I said earlier that's something you have a track record for which I think is why you've been able to get so far in the industry at such a young age um so tell us a little bit about that well yeah I guess that's a good point because um you know I I don't want to recommend people going to an interview and lie about everything because that's not obviously how you're gonna get ahead but but they had they had me do a project for them for the interview, um, and so it was basically mock up um, a catalog page with my own design, come up with my own group name and whatnot. And so I had done that, and it took me an obscene amount of time because it was you know I didn't know what I was doing on Illustrator, so I went over to my cousin's because I knew he had it, and I spent the whole day there like 
well, well into the next morning, you know, building this page with one shirt and one pair of pants on it. And, um, and so I finished that. And so I think I sort of knew that like, okay, I could, I can't, I know I can learn this. I don't know it yet. So why don't I like, I think maybe that gave me the confidence to sort of lie. It was like, yeah, I know it. When in reality, I'm thinking like, I don't know it, but I know I can know it. Um, and so I guess it's always sort of been that kind of mindset of like, if I think I can, if I have a little enough exposure to something that I am confident I can learn it, then, then to me, that's the same as knowing it, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, of course, then there's still the time of learning it, but but in that instance, I'm able to confidently say yes, I do know it because I know that I am able to learn it. I don't know if that made sense. No, it does make sense. You you felt like you were confident in your ability to potentially know it, therefore you said, "Yeah, right. I got this." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So what was that first year like where you're like, okay, I got this job. It's a design job. It's doing menswear. It's what I want to do. And the reason I got it was kind of because I fudged it a little bit in my interview. So how did you, like, how did your coworkers know? Did you, were you hiding stuff or how'd that go? <laughs> I definitely hid it as best I could. Um, I, I did tell one friend who I was, you know, ended up being pretty close with, um, like six months in, I was like, hey, you know, like, I didn't know Illustrator before I got this job and they were just sort of like surprised and like what? And like, I don't think they really believed it because, because that's, it, I think it's just not very common that people my age don't know Illustrator anymore. So they were just like, what? Oh yeah. Like I wasn't that good at it either. And I was like, no, literally I, I didn't know it at all. And, but besides from that person, I did try to hide it from people and I would, you know, maybe just be sure not to ask too many questions um, because I don't know. It's I don't recommend it. I do recommend learning something before you say you know it. <laughs> but because um, yeah, a lot of the time it's like you want to ask a question, but you're not sure if that's a dumb question or a good question. So it was a lot of googling. Like I said, it was a lot, a lot of your videos, and yeah, pretty. I I think my boss always secretly kind of knew though, but. But he was very patient and he was great. So I was fortunate in that regard. But yeah, it was it was as best I could trying to conceal it. Yeah. So, okay, so this is um, this is this first job that you kind of got your foot in the door. This is what is considered your first like design job in the industry. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like, okay. Yeah. And so about a year into that job, you got a pretty good, or I'm not sure the size of promotion. Um, I don't necessarily mean monetarily, but just in terms of like your role, your responsibility, your position within the company. Um, so that's, that's pretty quick. I, I think for just getting into the industry and, um, your first job as a quote unquote designer. So tell us a little bit about how that all happened and how you were able to secure promotion so quickly. Well, so the company, um, they sort of reluctantly hired me. And again, my boss was amazing and he was the one who believed in me and pushed them to hire me. But they, they were concerned because my background had only been for high end or small, small designers, small studios. And this was corporate. This was huge. You know, they were like, they point blank said to me in the interview, you know, it's going to be a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of like, 
sitting at a desk and this sort of thing. And I was like, no, 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 like I, I'm still interested. I'm still interested. But they were worried that I wouldn't like it once I started. Um, and so my boss pushed for it and, and so they did hire me, but it was reluctantly and I was hired in, in an assistant position. Um, and I guess, I don't know, just my, I did what I always do when I, I don't know something, I have to know it. And so I completely consumed myself with, with work and, and in corporate and just learning the ins and outs of everything and just sort of asserting myself as a key player on, on my team. And I would say within six to nine months, it was, it was evident that I was, I, I was a key player on the team and, and I felt like people were coming to me for answers, um, over, you know, my, my boss or something. And so I was like, okay, this is like, I, I'm no longer an assistant. You know, I've, I started as an assistant. I don't disagree with that, but I was like, but I'm not an assistant anymore. I'm an associate. Like I, I was functioning at that level and I just felt like, like I, yeah, that I, I, my title and my, my role were not matched. And so, um, reviews were, like I said, this is probably nine months in, 10 months in. I knew reviews were coming because I started right at the time of reviews. So, my one year was right around when they were coming. So I was like, all right, you know, I, I, I know what I want to get out of this. And, I, and it was a lot of conversations with my parents. It's not like I came up with this on my own, but I, you know, I realized I can't, I can't go into this um, review expecting to get a raise without them having any knowledge that that's what I'm expecting. Because you know, unless I ask for it, unless I make them make it aware to them um, that this is what I'm thinking, this is where I'm at, then it's not really fair to me. It's not really fair to them for me to assume that they're going to read my mind, you know? So, so I, I made um, a meeting request with my boss's boss just to talk to her about it and kind of say like, hey, you know, I think like what I'm doing, on the, well, of course, to thank her and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then just to say, like, I think my role and my, my title are mismatched and, you know, how much I'm getting paid and how much I'm doing are mismatched. And I think she really appreciated it. Um, the conversation was, it went well and she said she would consider it or keep it in her mind come review time. And, uh, yeah, I think it was to my benefit because then come review time, I did get, uh, the raise and the promotion. So, so the whole thing of that is that you want something you have to ask for it right and i think that's like a a lesson i'm still learning it in my personal life every day but but yeah it's like people can't read your mind so if you don't tell them how you're feeling then like how are they gonna know and you took what i would say a move that required some courage and sort of you skipped your boss and you went to his boss i believe that's the gender right your boss was a male and then you went to the the woman above him and why did you choose to do that and like how did you feel about that moment because that could feel like oh am i jumping over my boss's head am i throwing him under the bus or something i guess i felt like in that moment well so so it all sort of was sparked um by 
I remember they, they hired a new associate to our team. And for whatever reason, when they said, like, oh, this is the new associate, blah, 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 I, like, something clicked in my brain. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't, like, they're hiring new people above me, but I should be that person. And I was just like, so the second they hired her, I was like, no, I can't. And she's lovely. I, I totally love her. But it was nothing against her. It was just like, th- I felt like that's what's going to happen at reviews. Like, they're not going to they're not paying attention to you unless you raise your arm and say, Hey, what about me? And so when they hired her, it clicked. And I think that afternoon I had already emailed her, um, my boss's boss. And I did that because I knew I had his support, but I also knew he didn't have as much, as much control over it. Um, he didn't get to decide if I got a raise or not. So, and, and I knew I had his support. And so I felt like, Part of me was a little worried, like, am I going over his head? Is he going to be offended if he finds out? And I just thought, like, no, because I can be honest and speak to him. You know, if he comes to me and says, hey, why did you do this? I can t- honestly give him an answer. I- I'm not doing it to be shady or to be, you know, sketchy. But I also know you only have so much control over it. And I also know I have your support. So it kind of felt like what would be the point of talking to him? Other than, like, you know, it's the same thing as, like, I could talk to my parents and show them my designs, but, like, they're just going to say they look nice, but they can't really do much about it. But so I guess I guess that was why I felt like this sort of that's what gave me the drive was when they hired that new associate. And then um, what made me comfortable enough was was, I think, just having my boss's support already. Because at some point you just have to go to the person that's the decision maker, the person that's writing the check. Exactly, yeah. You can't rely on your message to be relayed through your boss because things get lost in translation. Exactly. And and I'm sure he's trying to get a raise too. So it's like, you know, I didn't want somebody else to be fighting my fight. So I was like, no, I can't. Because then, then if I didn't get what I wanted, would I blame him? Would I blame her? Would I, you know what I mean? So I was like, no, why don't I just cut to the chase and go straight to the source? And then, and that way, if I don't get what I want, then... I know I did everything I could. Yeah. And you said to me, um, and I just want to bring this up because it really resonated with me in a prior conversation we had before this chat, you said um, that that had happened to you before in jobs where you had been like looked over and, and looked over and you hadn't gotten what you wanted and you realized it was because you hadn't asked for it. And you, you said to me something to the extent of, I didn't want that to happen again because I knew I would, the only person I could blame was myself. Oh, yeah. In almost every previous fashion job I had, I, I, my mindset was just do good, you know, keep working, be the best worker possible, and, and you'll get rewarded for it. And unfortunately, I don't mean it in a pessimistic way because I'm not at all, but unfortunately, that's just not how it works because people, everyone has their own, you know, life and their own things that they're, their their mind is on and so unless you unless you point it out to them like hey i'm doing a good job over here you know in an appropriate way but unless you do that they're not they're not going to notice or they're not going to go out of their way or it's very rare that they will i think and so in my previous jobs i had a lot of anger towards my bosses because they weren't reading my mind or they weren't 
rewarding me for the things that I felt like I should be rewarded for. When in reality, you know, if, if you do all these things that go unnoticed, yeah, that's like good to keep, to keep things moving along, but then don't be resentful that people aren't noticing them because you're doing them. So they go unnoticed, if that makes sense. Like, like I, I would maintain the studio and keep it, you know, immaculate and do all these things. So, so she wouldn't have to, and this was my job in Chicago, so she wouldn't have to worry about them. But then, but then she wasn't even aware that I was doing all those things. And, and it caused a lot of resentment in me. And, and I just like regret that now because I see, you know, it, it makes more sense to me now why she didn't see the things that I was doing. Yeah. And it, you know, it's interesting because it kind of comes full circle with this whole uh, theme of, of the conversation of like putting yourself outside your comfort zone and getting a little bit scared mm-hmm. and, and doing things that, that are a little bit fearful. But it's, you know, going to your boss or going to the boss above your boss and saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. That's a scary thing to do. And at the same time, if you don't do that, you're, you're staying in your comfort zone, but then you wind up just getting frustrated. So there's this balance of like, well, would I rather be frustrated right. and resenting, resent, feel resentment towards these people because I'm not getting what I want? Or would I rather like make myself a little bit uncomfortable but have this interaction and then as a result get this positive benefit from it? And if I don't get that benefit, at least they're aware and I know that I tried my best to let them know what I'm doing. Yeah, I that's like completely it because yeah, I just, I think sort of maybe we kind of live in this culture that encourages the, like the, like just stay quiet and you'll get what you deserve. And it's like, it's, it's just not, it's, it's not healthy. I don't find to be so bottled up. It's like, if something bothers you or if you, or if you like something, you know, then say it, tell, tell the person that you like it, tell the person. And I think, it's just sort of like breaking that mindset of, of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like polite culture, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know the actual, like what it is, but, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of, um, just being honest and being open and, and yeah, it's scary to talk to my boss, but like you said, it's to have that resentment and maybe because I can, I can say this because I had it. To have it is so much worse because then then it's all you talk about and it's all you think about. And it's like, who wants to be around that person? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so it's interesting you bring this up because you made the comment just there about if you like something, say it. And, and so this kind of shifts the whole conversation, but we can touch on it for a minute because I think it's a really interesting space within the fashion industry. And, and you obviously went to art school, so you probably experienced this a lot. Well, fashion school <laughs> within an art school, but experienced this a lot. But like going through critiques and going through reviews and taking constructive feedback. But then if you like what you did and you like defend it, you know, say, yeah. and, and you, and then in the real, you come into the real world, you have to do that in front of meetings and line reviews and presentations. And, um, and you have to say, you know what? Okay. I understand your perspective on this, but here's why I did it this way. And here's why I still think it's a really strong, valid option. And if someone says they don't like it, don't just say, okay, we're moving on to the next design. If you really believe yeah. in that, you have to defend it. But that can be a scary thing too. And it gets easier over time. But right. um, And so that translates very well into if you want something, ask for it. If you believe in something, defend it. 
stand up for it. Yeah. Because, and, and I also think the message you send, if you don't, you know, if they say, oh, you know, I don't really like that being that green. Oh, okay. And then you just keep going. Then that just tells people like, I don't really care either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you decide for me cause I don't care. And it just, I don't know. I think that sends such a, a bad message. And then if, yeah, if that is the case, if you don't care, then why are you doing it? You know, then you need to find something you do care about. I something I hear from a lot of people, and and I, this was my personal experience. I I worked for my first job in the industry was for a pretty small brand, not quite as small as as your experience, not one on one, but pretty small. We still manufactured overseas, but you know we didn't have a whole separate team for trims and a whole separate team for team for textiles. Um, you know, we kind of did it all ourselves, and so. Um, you know, what's your perspective and take on getting experience where you do get exposure to the whole process versus some of these really big corporate gigs where you maybe are responsible, and I'm not saying this is your position, um, it could be, I don't know, but where you have your five tasks or your 10 tasks, and that's what you do day in, day out, you have a very tiny piece of the puzzle, and you have so many people that are creating that whole puzzle um, versus a smaller company, you, you're involved in the creation of the whole puzzle mm-hmm. in every single piece and part. That's definitely still something I'm um, learning because it's, yeah, it's so, it was, it was a big challenge when I first started to not do other people's jobs um, and to realize why I shouldn't be doing it. And because I was just so used to doing everything where it was, you know, I was the assistant, so I was you know, development, production, trims, I was all of that. And so part of, I'm still trying to, I guess, really balance that or, or find, find what makes me happiest because there's an element to that, that I think is beneficial, but there's also, there's also something to learn about being in a role where I'm at now, where, you know, I I do have more than, more than five, but, um, I do have my set of tasks and, and I shouldn't be doing other people's work because, because it messes the flow of everything. And it's just, it's not, I don't know. There's something to learn there still, I think. And I don't know that I have the answer, but I think, um, I think it's definitely worth people, uh, exposing themselves to both because yeah, cause you can learn a lot about, about yourself and about, um, just the industry, I think. Yeah, no, it's great, great insights. Um, okay, so I want to wrap with um, a question that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast. <laughs> and it is, what is one question you always wish people would ask you about working in fashion, but they don't usually ask? Oh, that's interesting. Um, it's this idea of like, what do you love talking about in your job, in your career, in the industry? And you find that people don't ask you about that. Like if you go out to cocktails or you're hanging out with a group of friends who maybe don't work in fashion, you're like, oh, I wish you'd be more curious about this part of my job or my life. And you know, what do you love talking about that you find other people aren't really asking you about? Well, I guess maybe not people, I, I don't know. I feel like I want, I want my friends who don't know it to see it as the same. Cause I have friends who work, um, in banking. And when I, 
when I hang out with them, it's like I feel like an alien there because I and I just want them to be like to understand that like my job isn't so different than yours. Like, yes, it is, but also no, it isn't. Like every job is the same kind of at the end of the day. And I don't know. I just kind of I want I I just want people to like I wish people could be like a fly on my shoulder for a day and like see what I do because it's not I don't know when I'm sure you get it all the time when people hear that you're a designer the first thing they say is oh can you make me a dress and it's like no I can't and I'm not going to but <laughs> I don't know I guess for people to just not see it as such like a strange profession because it's not that unusual I mean it's definitely different but it's not so different I want people to realize and that whole alien comment is really interesting to me. And and one thing, and I don't know if this is something you experience, but sometimes I think people are like, oh, you're a designer. Like, you just frolic in fabric and color yes. swatches all day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. And it's like, no, it's like a real industry that, like, functions. Maybe not as well as it could, but, like, it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. I love that. That was great. Um, thank you so much, Brian. This was really phenomenal to chat with you and learn about what you're doing and how you've gotten where you've gotten. Um, if people want to find out more about you, is there any way they, they can do that? Anywhere they can find you online? Um, I am currently trying to rework my website. So uh, not really, unless they want to, I mean, no, not really. I'm like, my Instagram has nothing to do with Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode three of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash three. And since you made it this far, you must have liked the episode. If you can take 60 seconds to leave a review on iTunes, it helps the show a lot and really makes the podcast easier for people to discover. It's easy to do and I'd really appreciate it. Visit sfdnetwork.com slash review to leave your rating and thanks for your support and help.